Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. new here, uh, maybe we haven't met yet. Uh, my name is Dominic and I'm uh, one of the leaders here and maybe you're just exploring church. It's a New Year's resolution. You're like, I'm giving church one try. Uh, maybe that's, that's you or uh, you came with a friend. You, you came in a good morning. If you're online, we just want to say special hello to you. We'd love to see you in person. Maybe a New Year's resolution for you would be like, I will show up in person once or twice. So we'd love to see you. Uh, but this morning we're actually starting a new teaching series. Uh, we're actually starting a series that you've heard us talk about, and it has to do with something we've never done here at the 180. Since the church has started, we never took time to maybe slow down and read some of those early chapters at the beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis. And, and maybe for you, that's kind of foreign. You've, you don't have a Bible. We'd love to give you one. This is an easy series to follow because the book is right at the beginning of the Bible. It's not hard to find. And, and I want to warn you, somebody mentioned to this, this to me after the first service. It's like, I should have brought a notepad because I had all these questions. So just a warning, you know, some of this morning and over the next few weeks will feel like a bit like you got to focus. You're like, I just came to church to sing and hug people. Well, you came to the wrong church, okay? So, uh, no, I'm kidding. We really want to stretch you this year. And we believe as a church that every time we take the Bible seriously and every time we commit to grow together and understand the Bible better, God helps us to grow in humility. Because there's a kind of humility that comes when we read the scriptures and realize that even when we understand something, there's so much we don't understand yet. And there's so much that God still wants to teach us. So growing in understanding your Bible actually does so many other things in you. It's not just about like head knowledge and winning arguments, which is sometimes the way people process learning about the beginning of time or the beginning of creation. Uh, we're going to look at some of the different verses in the Bible. And, and this morning as we begin, I just want to remind you that the topic about creation and about the world and how everything started is such like a vibrant topic even in our culture. Like there's so many people that are having conversations about like space travel and some of you know somebody who's like, hey, do you believe in aliens? I'm like, no, but I am one. <laughs> Whatever. Just weird conversations about like what exists that we don't understand. But I read this article and you'll see it on the screen and it has to do with kind of the way science is mixing with, I guess, cosmology, which is the word for the cosmos. And it's an article I read this year. It's put out by one of the great universities and uh, institutes of, uh, of learning. It says scientists are training machine learning models and designing instruments to hunt for life on other worlds. Yes! Anyone else like, this is so exciting. Some of you are like, I'm kind of nervous. I want to go back when we lived in the village and everything. No, like there's this moment where we are learning so many new things. There's like this intersection between people's questions and curiosity and learning. And then there's this question of love. And one of the questions I want to give you even as we begin is that for Christians, for those who've always read the Bible, it wasn't just about excitement about learning about the world or learning about creation. But it was also about what makes this world worth living in. 
Like what makes life worth living, if you think about it? What about that? Because we can be living forever. We might figure out so many new things, but some people you know and I know don't even want to live the life that they have now. Or they're miserable. They look at the world and they always see their life through the brokenness and the pain and war and this. And there's something about going back to the beginning of the Bible that kind of gives us like this lens, this bigger perspective to say, yeah, there are problems in the world and there are challenges and we don't see everything the way we wish we did and we don't understand everything. But what if there was a God who's beyond all of that, giving you strength and grace and peace to navigate some of those things? What if that's true? As you think about a series on the beginning of the Bible, I'm going to give you some homework right at the beginning. This is maybe a New Year's resolution. It's like reading a bit of the Bible more than you ever have in your life. If you're online, you want to write this down. I'm going to encourage you for the next few weeks as we go through this series to read the first 11 chapters of Genesis. Okay, it's very, very simple. How many chapters? How many? 11. And you're all going to do it, right? Amen. You're all going to do it because the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis actually frame a whole section that makes sense of the rest of the Bible and almost the rest of Genesis. You'll see chapter 12 kind of begins a new section. But the first 11 chapters are great because they weave in creation and covenants and humanity and all of these different things that you'll see we're going we're gonna to talk about over the next few weeks. And for some of you, maybe reading the Bible is hard or overwhelming. So my prayer is that as you read it, you will do two things. One is you're going to grow in understanding the Bible better. But you're going to have some new questions about the story of creation and how everything started. I grew up in a world where learning about creation or talking about this topic was always very controversial. It was almost like you either believe in science or you love the Lord. You better pick. You know, it was always like, I'm like, I don't know. So even when I had a question about the world or creation or new things I was reading, I was like, I'm not going to tell anybody anything. I'm going to pretend like I can't read. You know what I mean? Like I was just like always nervous. And it was always filled with kind of an anxiety about like, what if I, I don't want to get into a debate? And then there was a kind of embarrassment that I, I kind of developed. I don't know if this happened to you. It was an embarrassment that if I talked about the Bible and talked about creation, it was for people who weren't really like intelligent. People who don't think, they believe like, God, oh, there's a God in the sky who helps the weak. And smart people, they believe in science. I just wanted the beginning of the series to tell you that all of that is not true. Like, we don't have to live in those tensions, and that doesn't mean we have to agree with everything that's out there, but we also don't, are not called to live, like, fearful, defending, they disagree with me, I better tell them that they're wrong. You actually will see that as you read through Genesis, God sets us free from that. There's this kind of freedom to be like, we should have more questions than anybody in the scientific world. We should have new questions. We should be the ones who are most excited about all creative discovery because the God of the Bible is this creative being who's created us in his image, and so we should be like overwhelmed at all the new things that he might reveal to us that we understand or don't understand. So as we begin this series, I'm going to encourage you to kind of just think about your own life and where you fit in that. I'm going to do that by just giving you three words that were words that I wrote down that helped me understand kind of my journey of, of, of learning about the beginning of the Bible. And I'm going to give you my words, but this week as you're reading, maybe take a few minutes and write down three words that represent kind of your journey. Okay, my words are, are, are very simple. I used P words. You're like New Year's resolution. It's going to be, it's wonderful. It's so cheesy, but I, I, I do it sometimes. Okay? The three words you'll see on the screen are prove, probable, and promise. Three words. They don't have to be your words. So you'll think about your journey and you're like, I don't care, I don't care, and I don't care. That's some people. They come to church, like, I don't care, it doesn't even matter, we don't know anything. You know, I'm, why are we here? Whatever, that's you, we're praying, we're praying for you. But these are the three words that kind of helped kind of my trajectory as I was learning about this. My first tension in my heart was like, if I'm going to talk to somebody, i got to prove to them that God exists. 
And you, maybe you've seen this. There's a whole like, movement of people that are like, I've got to prove to you the 10 reasons why God is real, why God is not real. And if you can't prove it to me, then I don't want to hear from you. I kind of grew up a little bit in that world. And I always felt very nervous about like, talking to anyone about God or talking about science or creation or being curious because somebody would be like, yeah, but can you prove this? And I'd be like, I, I don't think so. And then, then it hit me. You ready for this? Maybe it helps you. I started to read the Bible and I saw something that shocked me. That when you start reading the Bible at the beginning, the writers of the Bible, especially the writer of Genesis, assumes you already believe in God. Like it's shocking to me that if I was writing the Bible, I would have written with chapter one saying, 10 reasons I exist, God. 10 reasons. And if you don't believe these things, you're going to pay. That's how I would start if I wrote the Bible. The Bible that we have that God's given to us is like, well, don't worry about that. And you know what? If I was a God that you could prove, I would not be God. So read the book of Genesis. So the book of Genesis assumes that you're going to, with a little bit of probability, begin to just be open to read about a God who's creating things and showing us things and revealing things to us. And at the same time, always telling us, you will never fully understand who I am, but keep reading. This is kind of the invitation, and I remember feeling that tension because I, I wanted to prove stuff, and then I, I got to maybe probably what I need to do is I have to look at the world and, and say this. Is it probable that everything that we see just kind of happened, or was there some, sometimes we use intelligent design, was there some order that brought the intricacies of the eyeball and the deep passion of love and the desire to have children, and the joy of just seeing the sunrise, all those things. Like, where did that kind of come from? And some people are like, well, we don't know. It's a biological explosion in your brain. And it's fine. That's what you believe. That's where you're at. Write your word down. Write your three words down and see where you're at on that. But my prayer is as we go through this series and you look at your own journey where you've been, you'd also maybe hear and read the part of the creation story in the Bible is about us hearing God's promises. Is it about us not just learning how we defend God and whether we win arguments, but that there's promises about God that he's making and he's not trying to tell us so much about how he creates everything, but the kind of God that he is and why he's with us, no matter how much things change and no matter how much we learn that we don't know yet. So you see like the fluidity of all that? Maybe for you this is still a kind of nervous, you're not sure, you have questions. Maybe you don't have enough questions. The beginning of the story of the Bible begins with all of these different layers, these different promises. And also what you'll see is the Bible introduces us to layers of perspectives when you read the Bible. I'll give an example. You probably never think about it, but you do this naturally when you read the Bible. Maybe other things if you read other, other books. Here's a, a very famous kind of prayer of praise or worship that you will see in the Bible. And you'll see it on the screen. It says this. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. I mean, you maybe know a song that we sing. I think of our worship team. We sing these songs. It's trying to capture the beauty that from the beginning, even creation itself is longing to direct us to praise and to worship God, who's beyond everything, right? Now, here's just one problem. We know something that the psalmist was not thinking about. Ready for this? That the sun does not rise. It just doesn't. The sun is always there. The sun never moves, right? The earth is moving. Some of you, do you feel it right now the earth is moving? No, we do not, but it is. Think about it. But the sun doesn't actually rise. We say that because from our perspective, it feels like the sun is rising and setting. 
So the writer of this passage is not saying, well, I hope I got all of science in these verses. He's just saying, from my perspective, there's a sense that the sun is coming up and the sun is going down and the planet is just working and whatever you feel, praise should come to, the, to your heart and to your life. You should think of praising God when you think about everything around you. Now, this is so important for us. It already helps us to realize that there's layers of meaning where we have one question and the Bible is just trying to help us think about something else completely different. And if you don't do that and you're not aware of that, you're kind of like, well, maybe the Bible's not real or not true. And I'm going to encourage you, just, just be careful that you don't feel that in your heart. You feel the extremes of that. So far, so good. You're doing fine? Some of you are like, I'm nervous. I better leave. I'm not sure. Like, we really hope that this helps you as you begin to read the book of Genesis. If you open up the book of Genesis and you read it right, the, right at the beginning, you're going to see the words, in the beginning. That's how it begins. I want to tell you a few things about just a very simple phrase in the beginning. Is that it appears in different places in the Bible, the phrase in the beginning. And when you read your Bible, you open it, you see in the beginning. It's trying to remind us that this is the beginning of things the way God would want us to know it. It doesn't tell us all questions about all beginnings. I mentioned this in the last service. Maybe It doesn't tell us the beginning of the angels. Like when the angels were all created. And you know what? That's the only question I have. This always happens. Has it ever happened to you? Like, you have all these things make sense, and one question you don't have, you're like, that doesn't make sense, I'm out. So even at the beginning of the Bible, we're meant to be careful that we don't think this is the beginning about all beginnings, about everything, about all the time. It's the beginning that God would want us to understand and to live in. And it says, in the beginning, God created. I'm going to teach you a new word, okay? Very new word. I tried this in the 9 o'clock service. I asked them to talk to someone, and they didn't listen to me at all. So we're canceling the 9 o'clock service. We're only the... Some of you are like, oh my God. It's just a joke. I heard a boo. All right, that's all. I I just want to teach you a new word. In the Hebrew, the word for create is the word bara. Okay? Can you turn to the person next to you with your nice coffee breath and say bara? Bara. Bara. You got that? Some of you maybe have heard this before. Sounds nice. Bara. It's it's, a bara word. In English, you would never kind of know that or see that. Now, in the book of, of Genesis and throughout the Bible, there's two words that are often used for creating or for making things. One of the words is the word create, and one of the word, the word to make. Right? The word to make is asa. The word create is bara. You should know that. Just, just the ideas of the beginning of the book of Genesis. The reason I tell you this is because when the writer of Genesis wants to begin to tell us about the beginning of all things, he will use the word bara because it has a very special meaning. The word bara is the Hebrew word that is only applied to God in all of the Bible. Meaning that only God ever baras in the Bible. Only God ever creates in this way that you're going to read about in the book of Genesis. Meaning if you look for this somewhere else, you won't find it. Because only God is going to do what he's about to do now. Now for us that's weird because we use in English the word create for everything. But in the Bible, one of the things you're going to feel right away, and you'll you'll see it, is the Bible wants us to feel that what it means that God is creating in a way that we have no comparison for. Now, when we create things, we create things out of stuff. We make things. We, we, We put things together. And so we use the word to make something, and I'll give you an example, the way you would make a cake. I look for eggs, and I get, you think there's a chicken somewhere, and you get milk. But I don't wake up in the morning and say, i got to make a cow today. And i got to make a chicken. And i got to make all the ingredients that will help me make a cake. That's a human's perspective. The, the ingredients are already there. But bara is a word that says there were no ingredients and God never needed anything to create from. 
He's just going to bara things. And right away in Hebrew, would have been like, wait a second, nobody creates like this. What kind of God is this? And so just as we begin, just that very simple word already is like, I got to write stuff, I got to remember this. So let me just show you the word in the beginning from three different perspectives. Okay, just take a deep breath. In the beginning, you'll see it on the screen, you can go to the slide. These are three different ways that you will see this word in the beginning in the Bible. And if you just read Genesis, you might be confused, so I'll make you more confused, right? That Genesis chapter 1, you're all going to read Genesis chapter 1 to what? 11. 11. To what? 11. So what you're going to notice right away this week when you're reading is that when you get to Genesis chapter 2 verse 4, there's a second creation story that's different than the first creation story. Now, the first time I realized that, I was so mad. I was like, you know how confusing this is going to be? I just want to know how everything started. And God's like, well, that's not important. It's none of your business. Here's two perspectives. So when you read these two perspectives, they're actually very different. Why? Because the beginning of the Bible is for us to hear God and to see his perspective from different angles and to never think, oh, I'm going to read this and I'm going to understand God. Nobody's going to do that. And nobody's thinking they're going to do that. But guess what we've done? That's exactly what we've done. We've read it, and instead of saying, wow, how beautiful that God would give us these two perspectives, like up, down, side, we're like, let's, rec- let's fix them. Let's make sure they all work. And God's like, why would you do that? Just live in the fact that I give you two perspectives. And if that's not enough, when Jesus comes, the New Testament will say, hey, there's another perspective that you should know about the beginning. That in the beginning, it wasn't just God who was doing what? Bara, but there was his son, Jesus, who was with him. What? How come in Genesis you don't tell us that? It's like, uh, you would have got confused. It was too much for you at that time. So into the New Testament, when you learn about Jesus, it says in the beginning, everybody would have been like, we have a book that starts like that. We're, oh, wait, wait. Genesis. Yeah, about that. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The actual word Word means Jesus himself. He was with God in the beginning. Now, doesn't that make you mad? Like, why didn't God tell us all this right at the beginning? Why do we have to learn as we go? Because God loves us. And he knows there's only so much we can handle as we learn. And in his grace, he gives us enough to be able to understand his promises and enough to keep us humble, to understand we can never prove or make sense of all the other things that he's doing. So as you read this week, just pay attention to maybe the questions that you have and to new questions that you should have. Why is this happening? Why is the New Testament, why, why is the Old Testament and the New Testament, why are they linking in the beginning for us? Why are they doing this? Because the writer of Genesis hopes we don't make a mistake that I made growing up. I made a mistake of thinking, I got to learn the Bible better to win arguments with people who believe in science. That's what I should do. And I got into that and I got into that, that, that kind of mentality. And then I thought about all the tensions in my heart And I missed some of the most beautiful things that would have been very clear to me if I just read the Bible. If I just started reading it and would have seen, wait a second, this is not a text that just provides all the answers that I might have about all the questions about science. And that's okay. Because if God wanted to give us a Bible like that, he would have. But he didn't. He gave us the beginning of how creation starts by inviting us to see ourselves as part of this beautiful story of a creating being, and this creating being, as he creates, he creates out of nothing, okay? It's so important. If you're taking notes, you want to write that. God is creating in a way that only he can create. Then he's creating from nothing. He's just taking what nothing's there, and he's able to create. And here's the other thing. You need to know this, that in the beginning of the Bible, we're given a picture of a God who creates who's outside of the things that he creates. 
Okay, so picture that, that God is creating things, but he's able to love and give life to those things, but he's also removed from those things. This is important because in the ancient world, there were so many other beliefs about how creation started. Think about in your own life. How many people do you know that would have different views about the way the world works? I know people who are like, I believe aliens created everything. I'm like, all right, buddy, right? So there's that side. Then you have other people, but it doesn't really matter what you believe. It's just in your heart that counts. Well, that's not true, or God wouldn't have given us the book of Genesis, right? So, so there's that idea. Then there's people in the middle like, well, I don't really know. I just don't want to get into fights at Christmas. You know, whatever they say. And then you pick these sides, and in the end, the beautiful things that God wants to teach us, we're like paralyzed because you're like, I'm not sure what to do. So there's all these other narratives that people have about creation. As a parent, if you have children who are learning about school and they're reading books on science or they're studying course, they're going to have questions that you're going to feel like anxious about. And I know parents that are so nervous, they're like, we're never sending our kids to those schools. They might have questions. Woohoo! Yeah, we're not that kind of church, by the way. We want to encourage you to be around people who have questions that you might even disagree with. You know why? Because we get to model what it means to be like Jesus with those we disagree with. And around this area, the church has done a horrible job. It's either like we win a battle and prove God and, you're, and you come crying saying, you are so right, your Lord is Lord. Huh? Whatever movie you watch, right? Or you're like, I'm not talking to you, oh my goodness. For, I hope my kids never talk to them. Instead of saying, no, no, that's not what the Bible does. You learn this when you read the book of Genesis. God's inviting you into this more and more beautiful, complex story of other questions that you never even thought about. When Genesis is being written, People in the ancient world have all of these other narratives that they know in the back of their minds. They have all these other stories that people have about the creation of the universe, why God created, how he created, what we should do with creation. So I don't want to be overwhelming this morning as we get started, but I want to just highlight three of them. Okay, I want to show you three of them, because remember, in the beginning is the way the Bible will begin, and it tells kind of follow along now. Listen to what's going to happen. And there's all kinds of other stories that people have that they'll, they'll have. And so I'm going to show you on the screen some of those stories. You'll just see them. These are three common ancient creation stories that everybody in the Bible knows. Every single person in the Bible knows this, and they know them in a way that for us sometimes, like, we just don't think about it, or we think, oh, God wrote the Bible was first and nobody else believes anything. That's really not true, right? There's these other narratives that people have. And some of these you can read today, like they're free. You could just, maybe you've been in a museum, you've seen some artifacts or archaeology connected to this. The first one is the Babylonian story of creation. The Jewish people who will be slaves in Babylon, they'll hear it all the time. They'll have a sense of like, okay, the Babylonians, they have a certain view of how the world started and we don't really agree with that. Then you have the Egyptian stories of creation. Remember, as you continue to read the Bible, the Jewish people are going to be in Egypt as slaves. Guess what they're going to hear all the time? How the Egyptians believed the world started. The other thing they're going to hear about is the last one, which is the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is a fascinating discovery happened a few years ago. And that has all kinds of tensions about why the world cre was created. Now, I want to tell you something that's important about all of these. Each one of these has a way of explaining creation in such a way that there was tension and struggle and vengeance and violence. And some of them also, you ready for this? They, they paint a picture of the world and creation that happened because the gods needed to have sexual pleasures with the things that they created. So just imagine if you're learning about this, you're like, okay, so God 
He needs to find fulfillment with his desire, so he creates humans, and then the gods visit the humans, and they have activities with the humans, and other stories are like battles between good and evil, like a cosmic battle, and then the bad god lost, so God threw him out. All of these stories, I don't know which one of them you would like more. I was explaining a few other ones. You could read about them. and One of them about uh, scorpions and poison. They're endless. This is so important. If you don't know any of this, reading the book of Genesis won't really connect with you. Because when the Bible starts to tell us about what God starts to do at the beginning, this is what it says in the book of Genesis. It says, And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. If you were taking notes and if you heard this in the Bible times, you know what you would say? This is so boring. What? This is how creation started? Do you know like how many stories we have of how creation really started? With the gods fighting, with cosmic battles, the same way we would do with movies. And then you get to the beginning of Genesis and there's a God who's not overwhelmed, He's not anxious. He's not fighting any battle. He's beyond everything that's happening. And out of nothing, when nothing is there, he's going to begin to give order to the emptiness that is there. No one competes with him. No one compares with him. He's not even going to explain to us how all this comes together. And on top of it all off, if you're not confused yet, why is there water already here? Like, water wasn't even created yet. Like, how did it just show up? Well, God's like, yeah, you're not going to worry about that. Just keep reading. That's what he assumes, right? That he assumes that as we hear the complexity of all the ways people talk about creation, that we would feel that in this creation story, there's a God that is calm and he's attentive and what he's about to create has incredible purpose. It's not a mistake. It's not a reaction. It's not a consequence. It's not a conflict. It has incredible order and calmness. And I could just think of people as the Jewish people are telling other people, you know what we believe about creation? That everything was just kind of calm. And God, in his loving way, said, I'm going to give order to this. And they would have been like, what? Who's going to believe that? That's the most boring thing ever. What a boring story, really? It's like, yeah, that's our God. Because our God is not only creating, he's outside of creation, and he governs things completely different. This is an important lesson for us this year. There will be times this year where you and I will feel like our lives have no order or are disordered, or anxious, or feeling like we can't see how any of this can make sense, whether it's your marriage, or your kids, or your work. And just to have the reminder that in the beginning, God looks at things that seem to have no order, or they lack direction, and he has a way of just gently putting them back on track. He has a gentle way of just saying, hey, hey, align this right here. And he does it in a way without destroying the very thing he touches. What a gracious God. What a gracious God to enter and to begin to create. And remember, as he does this, he bara out of nothing. Nothing is even there. And he starts to give it meaning and purpose and direction. And then when he starts to do this, he doesn't really bend down. We expect creation. Many of these creation stories are the gods are entering, they're bending, they're, they're manipulating a situation, they're in love with a human, so they come down and they do all these things. God's going to do something that no one expects. It's fascinating. This is what it says next. And God said. He just spoke. Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. By the way, darkness, not something bad, just a physical thing, darkness, right? And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning 
first day, day one. Now again, for many of us, especially if you study science, you know this, the idea of this being day one is so beautiful and mysterious because you really can't have days without the sun yet. The sun actually governs a 24-hour day, and the sun's only showing up in day four, by the way, so you got to figure that out. But more importantly, there's a reason that the book of Genesis begins by telling us that day and night, light and darkness are being kind of ordered in a way to create a structure. So think about this. This might help you. The first few verses of Genesis have to do with the, what scholars usually call the firmament. The firmament is like the house, meaning the structure of things. And the last verses of the next few chapters are how God fills the house. So as you're reading, just look for that. Look for that pattern. It's like first God's going to create the infrastructure of the building. Not the building, but creation. And then he's going to create things that start to fit in their place as he puts them in there. And, at the, and even at the beginning, as God does this, he just begins to speak. This is an important reminder that as God speaks, he starts to separate things. Again, always this reminder that there's no anxiety or pressure or conflict. Some people, like they're Christians, and they're like, I'm a battle with the devil. I have, uh, their mind is always in battle mode. And they read creation, and you're like, there's none of that here. Why? Because God has no competition. He has no one he's competing with. He's outside of everything he's creating, and it's just taking shape, and he's beyond it. Now he interacts with it, but he never becomes it. This is so important when you learn about the Bible, when you learn about Genesis. That's why even as you read this week, which chapters? 1 to 11. Some of you are like, okay, okay, don't ask this a question. All right. Even when you read that, when the Bible talks about God creating even the sun and the moon, the Bible will not call them the sun and the moon. The Bible will call them the lesser light and the greater light. Why? Because in the ancient world, the sun and moon, in all the other creation narratives, were seen as gods. That people worshipped. They were equal to God. They were like, there was God, and then there was all these other gods, and there was a competition, and God's like, not for you guys. Never believe that. And you hear this in our culture still today. It's shocking to me. When people look at creation, and they're drawn to it, and almost without realizing, they begin to almost worship or talk about God in the universe. I mean, God's in the universe. I'm like, no, no, God is outside of the universe. God is beyond the universe. Now you feel God's glory and his presence in his creation, but he never becomes anything in the universe. He's something beyond it. And he's creating bara out of nothing. He needs nothing, he uses nothing. And these things start to come together. One last thing, and you'll have enough. You'll be like, I have enough. I'm more confused than ever. Amen, let's pray. You ready? I want you to see a pattern that's going to come up in your reading. As you kind of begin, you're going to see this beautiful pattern that as God creates one thing, he creates another thing, he creates another thing, he's going to give you this pattern. And if you're reading it slowly, paying attention, you'll see the pattern. You'll see it on the screen. Just put it for you here. And God saw, he created, he saw that it was good. Then God created again in verse 12, and he saw that it was good. And he created again, verses on and on, and he saw that it was good. Good. Some of you smart people, you saw the pattern already. Some of you are like, yeah, I think I got it, Dom. Is it the word and? Oh, almost, all right. It was good, good, and it was very good. And after he created a woman and everything fell apart, but it's fine. (laughs) Joe, Joe, I got some of you, some of you. It's all done. (laughs) It's a joke. Don't send me an email. My wife's not in this last service. My wife was there. Didn't say it. Here, said it. All right. She's going to watch and kill me. What? You said what? I'm kidding. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was very good. This pattern matters. It matters, you know what? Because we live in a world where things are bad and very bad. 
And God wants us to know from the beginning that when things are bad, it's not because of him. Because he created things good. That we have a responsibility to pay attention to the way things that were given to us in a good way were distorted and destroyed and ruined. And as you read the next few chapters, you're going to see what starts to happen. That in his goodness, God's like, I've created the fabric and the structure. And by goodness, it doesn't only mean good like morally good, like being a good person. It's that it's good in a sense that it's set up in place for us to be flourishing human beings. It's good in a way where it's meant for God to to allow us to experience joy and beauty and all those good things. So it's good the way it's set up. So don't mess around with it. And over the years, we feel like now even scientists are starting to catch up to saying, you know what, the planet, when we do things to it, it responds in a way that it's going to punish us. We're like, really? I wonder where that idea came from. Now, when something was created good with sustainability and flourishing and patterns, we start to abuse and use and and use as if we're God. We're going to control things. We're going to make it do what we want it to do. God's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm sending the Lorax. No, I'm kidding. No Lorax. But it's this idea that it's good, and it's good for what you need. God does that. I have questions about God's goodness when I think about the pain in this world. You'll have questions about it. But the beginning of Genesis is an invitation for us to really believe again that a good God began to orchestrate this world in a way enough for us to understand his promises, even though we want all of the details of everything, but to invite us to begin to live in the truth of those promises. What would happen in 2024 if you believed that God was good? What if you believe that God's goodness is so powerful that even when we mess things up, he can come and restore and heal and make things better again? What would happen? What would happen if you would start to understand that Jesus actually fits and fulfills all of this because you know what? He's actually there at the beginning too. What would happen to us? What would happen in conversations with our kids as we learn and as we think about science? Well, science is going to keep changing and it's going to keep learning new things. But the promises that we get in Genesis are meant to carry with us no matter how things change. And so we wanted to start this year with you to take you back just to the beginning a little bit. Not the beginning of all things, but the beginning of the most important things for us to kind of anchor ourselves and think about that the God that we worship, he just creates in a way that there is no comparison. And as he creates, he's not in creation, he's outside of it, and he gives it meaning so that we wouldn't worship all the things that we see. And in a few weeks, you're going to see, I'm going to talk about how we fit and our createdness happens in this story. Remember, there's a house, and then we're going to kind of be created. But this week, I was like driving my son to the, to the metro, and I, I had a moment because I was living with all of these stories and themes and passages in my heart, and I, I wanted us as a church to, to use this year as a year that we we're going to learn to depend on God in ways we never have. And I realized that all of the story of Genesis, right from the beginning, is God reminding his people and reminding of creation that if we don't learn to depend on him, things in us break. That we're created with an essential dependence on everything that he does. His speech, his breath, like he just sustains everything for us. And as I'm driving to the metro with my son, I hear the radio, we turn the radio on, and it, it was kind of a strange thing. You know, all of us have traffic, you're listening. And the radio's usually about some music, uh, some weather situation, whatever. And all of a sudden, this station had a man who was talking, and he was kind of crying. Like, it was emotional. And I was like, oh, that's kind of, I never hear this on the radio, this is weird. And the lady who was talking, she's the host of the radio station, said, you know, I know how you feel, and I know you're overwhelmed, but let me tell you, I have some good news. And I'm like, well, this is kind of interesting. And, and she says, in the next 48 hours, Capricorn is going to open up a portal, and you could speak a no word of a lie. Like this, 
and my son's with me, and I turn to my son, I'm like, did she just say portal? Are we in Zelda? Like, what just happened? 2024! Capricorn, the portal, send your negative things in the portal. And I was like, of course it makes sense. you got to read Genesis. you got to read Genesis and know that we were created with such a deep need to make sense of things that when we don't learn to believe that only God is to be worshipped, we'll begin to worship his creation. And we'll begin to look for signs in the world to make sense of our life because we're dying inside to understand not how things came together, but what makes life worth living. What gives our life purpose and what holds it all together? And that's only the promises of God that are embedded in the creation story that we get in the Bible. It's there. And we can miss all of it. A generation got lost because they're still fighting battles about evolution that even the world doesn't believe anymore and we're still fighting writing a book about it. The church busy answering questions nobody's asking. And yet the questions that people have, dying for meaning, trying to make a connection, trying to know how their pain and their hurt fits. Is there really a good God? Is the world really good? The church will have prayers in the Bible and whenever they pray, they'll think about the book of Genesis and they'll say this, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. How beautiful that even as you pray this year, because you're learning to read Genesis, you'll think back and say, as you're praying, remember that the maker of heaven and earth, he gives order to chaos. He's never anxious, so you don't be anxious. He's very much aware of what you need, so he'll provide it. He'll give you boundaries by how to live and how to flourish, but if you push those, things that are very good will not be as good. So keep reading. I'm going to have you stand and I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to encourage you over the next few weeks to think about someone that you know who has another creation story. Someone that you know who's struggling to make sense of their life. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're watching online and you're just like, ah, reading the book of Genesis. I'm uh, confused. It's okay. Everybody who would have read the book of Genesis would have been kind of confused and overwhelmed. But our prayer for you is that you would know that God not only answers our prayers, but he gives us new questions to draw us closer to himself, to teach us that we can trust him and learn about the goodness of everything that is around us and that we are created, the whole story, with a responsibility to play our part in this creation. So we're going to learn that together over the next few weeks, but let's just pray before we go. Father, thank you for the gift of providing for us a story, a complex narrative of how your promises and your goodness and our lives fit together. If we're honest this morning, we have so many questions now. There's so many things that we wish we understood better. But you knew that even sometimes when we understand things better, that does not transform our heart. That we would need you and your power to enter this broken world and to begin to restore it from the inside out. So we thank you for the power of Jesus and the cross and the way his presence and his life and the power of the Spirit even now is still teaching us to understand our beginning. I pray for anyone in this room who just needs a reminder that you have a way of bringing order into things that seem like they're disorganized, they're chaotic. 
pray for those who came here this morning and think of 2024 as an overwhelming year. Our world is speaking of wars and poverty and famine. And yet we rest in the promises that you know exactly what you were doing and you have the resources that we need to be your people now. So help us as we go and help us as we read the scriptures this week. Stir in us a new joy, a new excitement to want to learn and to understand that you love us in ways we could never even fathom. Jesus, go with us now and may you be honored by the way that we live, the way that we speak, and the way that we serve you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Hey everyone, just a little bit of homework this week. Just get you started in 2024. Read a little bit of Genesis. Just put down some words that will help you think about how you've come this far. Be safe out there. We love you. See you soon. God bless everyone online. See you soon.